0: I don't know if people watch that show. I got really into Top Gear in high school. Go up really high. Sixteenth notes. You know. Oh man, you drink much. You never, uh, you know, you never had a sip of liquor before. Like this little kid out here. Oh man, you ain't never had moonshine before. Look at this guy.
1: Like, look at me. I know music theory, and I know it very well. The who's name. george yeah who is george hello my friends it is me back from hiatus back from hibernation here with another banger another episode But, first and foremost, happy February. Hope the first month of everyone's 2022 was solid. Hope everyone achieved what they wanted to achieve. Hope everyone stayed afloat amidst any chaos. I know I definitely had a chaotic past month, which is kind of why it's been a little quiet on here uh, from... uh, getting snowed in a couple times, to having COVID towards the beginning of the year, to um, spilling smoothie on my fucking laptop, uh, getting all that sorted out, to some various other life things, to getting everything set up on my new desktop PC. So, yeah, it's there. there there's been some chaos, but it's kind of slowed down, luckily. We've made it through. And with that, it is time to get back to this, get back to the important conversations. And if anyone is new here, if anyone's listening for the first time, I'm Braylon Thomas, and this is my podcast, The Harmonic Trajectory, where I chat with my friends from Belmont University and other people in the music industry. We get to know each other. We talk about our experiences, stories, what we've learned so far, and advice to pass on to the next generation. You can get connected with me all over the place on Instagram. That'll be at Harmonic Trajectory Podcast on Twitter at the Harmonic Pod. And on Facebook, you can just look up the Harmonic Trajectory Podcast. But the exact username is at THT Podcast. It's all lowercase. And uh, yeah, you can find me there. Um, So uh, this episode that you're about to listen to was recorded back in October um the the intro i did at the time was pretty good so i think i'm just gonna let it speak for itself and uh yeah i'm really excited for y'all to listen to this one this was one of if not the favorite episode i've done so far for this show so yeah let's get right into it My guest with me his hair is about as long as his last name <laughs> uh he's a good friend i met at belmont through like friends of friends and we would like see each other at like various kickbacks and we were kind of just acquaintances but it's turned into quite the beautiful friendship yeah i would so agree always, yeah would agree always though. a good conversation uh you maybe heard him in uh belmont band our brother george but now he is rocking with Jackson Brook and the Dukes of Hume on the keys, guitar, and vocals. So, yeah, today we have Hank Long. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Berlin. Happy to Ab- be here. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Doing great, man.
0: Yeah. Just uh, another beautiful Thursday. Weather's been gorgeous this week. Oh, yeah. Been it's so been, nice. I've been like
1: outside every day, um, Get, getting outside when I can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, thanks for having me.
1: Of course, yeah. It's 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 kind of funny. I was like, I was like doing some like background research here and there, and was like trying to figure some stuff out. And I was just like, when I was doing it, I was just kind of thinking like, oh shit, oh fuck, is it Hume? Is it Hume? Oh god! <laughs> but luckily, you found out it. that yeah. it's him. Hume. Yeah, Hume. yeah, yeah. Jackson's uh, middle
0: name, and uh, yeah, that band is super fun. It was the first band I joined when I. Moved back to Nashville, I guess. Right around the time I met you, and I've been playing with them for about four years now. We uh, just put a record out called "The Golden Road."
1: Right on! Nice I actually heard it, it uh, a couple days ago. It was yeah. really cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I c- kind of late to the party, but yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, it's been a long time
0: coming to get that to get that record out, but um, we're glad it's here and uh, hope people enjoy it. You know, come see us live. <laughs>
1: For sure. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, obviously, had the whole, like, Southern rock touch to it. But I also loved, like, all, like, the subtle nuances going on. It felt, like, very, like, kind of, like, cinematic and triumphant at times. And, obviously, I loved the keys. <laughs> sounded amazing. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, no, Jackson would definitely uh, love for you to use
0: that word uh, cinematic. I know uh, he's a very energetic and active performer, like, on stage and... Um, I think one of his biggest influences is definitely like Springsteen and the East street band, which is obviously one of the greats of all time. But, uh, you know, having 13 people on stage, it turns into a little bit more of a theater production than a rock show. And, uh, yeah. I didn't know there were 13 people in the East street band. Oh, East street band. Our band is like talking. six. So we're getting there, but yeah, I, I just meant in terms of, uh, you know, influences and, and stuff for the record. Um, yeah, we uh, we try to do it big every time, you know, put on a good show. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I think I, I think I've seen y'all a couple times. I know I definitely saw you guys at uh, live on the green mm-hmm. a few years ago. Yeah, It's a good ass show. That was a trip, man. That was a big trip
0: for me because I uh, so I moved here to Nashville 2017, fall of 2017. Did you come here for Belmont or? I did. I. Um, So I went to Tulane University my freshman year and basically, you know, spent a year trying to find myself in New Orleans and came to find out that I really, really wanted to do music seriously. And as much as New Orleans is one of the most fun cities in the country. I fucking
1: love New Orleans, It is.
0: Oh, it is a time and a half. And I'm still good buddies with a bunch of my friends down there from freshman year. And, you know, we had a good crew and all that. But breaking into that music scene is very kind of kind of like Nashville kind of like Nashville in a different way like you know everybody who plays jazz or like has consistent shows and stuff there it's it's definitely a, a particular style you know like you you are basically doing one of three jazz funk or you know soul kind of stuff and i was that weird english major trying to find all the open mic coffee houses and do you know like folk rock and mm-hmm. stuff but, um, so anyways, out of that and a, um, you know, a little bit of soul searching. Yeah. Came to, uh, transferred into Belmont and did the songwriting program and, um, yeah, that whole, uh, that whole first year at Belmont, cause I met you when I actually came back to Belmont and I, I came for the first time fall of 2016 Got suspended for a little bit of the Mary Jane. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, because they're so chill about that, you know. Oh, so chill, so chill.
1: And it's not even like you get charged four hundred dollars for having sex. <laughs> no, no possible chance. No, 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 no way on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they. Uh,
0: I, you know, I was just a very. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but I I, I refuse to apologize. Basically, I was like, you know, I transferred here. I'm a songwriting major. I I'm a musician. Like, you guys have to be aware that I'm not the only kid who wants to do music here who enjoys to, you know, smoke a little pot at the end of the day. And they were like, hmm, that's a very interesting attitude. <clears throat> Why don't you go home for eight months and think about that? And then, uh, you know, if you still want to come back, we'll see you. So I came back after the suspension moved off campus which you know thank god yeah it's a power move it's a power move um and yeah met some great buddies i think i don't know if you were there the um because uh our, our mutual friend kevin uh butte was uh my roommate when i first moved back here and he was kind of the one who invited me over to um jesse robinson's house and i met you and uh mac and you know kayla doll these friends that uh We were all just hanging out, you know, a week or two ago, but, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to to him and for the friends I met right when I moved back here for, you know, introducing me to all you guys and helping me get adjusted and, you know, getting settled in the music city. Right on. Absolutely. (laughs) Um,
1: how'd you meet the Dukes of Hume boys? Through, um...
0: My other roommate at the time, uh, Matt Clay, who's a, a great saxophone player and producer and uh, jazz guy, and so uh, Jackson's first keyboard player was actually a adjunct professor at Beaumont. and he, you know, was basically trying to split time between teaching and being in a rock band. And I don't know if your listeners are aware of this, but teaching probably pays better. It's not a great gig, but uh, I think he kind of yeah to choose. wouldn't be surprised. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, especially, I guess, at the university level. So, um, and and I didn't understand this either because they they won the Music City Mayhem thing, um, which is, you know, like a citywide competition put on by local radio station to play it Live on the Green, and they won. And Mac played with them at their, um, the final, like, Battle of the Bands thing or whatever that they won that show at, and so did that old keyboard player. And then between that, time, the time of the show of them winning Battle of the Bands and before we played Live on the Green, he was basically told Jackson, like, okay, I like, I don't want to do this anymore. Which, you know, right as the train's picking up steam, you know, you just yeah, be like, I don't oh, I'm not, not really about this. Um and so yeah, I had just met Mac and um yeah, obviously we had jammed together a bunch of times and he kind of floated that to me like um you know, Hey, there's this cool rock band. You're more of a rock guy than a jazz guy. And they're looking for a keys player. And, um, we all got together and jam. My first gig with them was at the high watt. And my next gig with them was live on the green. Damn. What a quick succession. It was a pretty, yeah, pretty rapid rise. And, um, yeah, I don't know. A great time, you know, big fan of Jackson's songwriting. Um, and just the way he, uh, puts together a a live show and experience with you know a lot of very personal songs and also just you know making it fun for everybody and um yeah i mean it that's so much of of being in music is you know i always hated like oh it's who you know and all that but it really is a lot of just you know meeting the right people and uh finding people who are like-minded enough that you enjoy and Every you know, so many other opportunities have just come from that experience and from being with those guys. So,
1: yeah, it's definitely a combination of that as well as like grinding out your own shit working on yourself and being ready for the opportunity when it arises. Cause you never know. Yeah, you're what right. You,
0: you do have to be ready.
1: Yeah. Um, and that,
0: that's all the work that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees, you know, right. I mean, obviously you have to be talented and cultivate your talent and, playing piano and making music was always the thing that I would just do without anybody having to ask. I was never like, oh, you need to, you know, you need to practice today. You've got this, whatever. Like, no, I'd be playing the piano anyways, just for myself. And, um, yeah, through all that, um, you know, met Jackson, the, uh, the guitar player in the Dukes of Hume is a good friend of mine named Kyle Klaus and, um, him and his wife, Spencer are in a, um, a country group called the Klaus's. So through Jackson, I got to jump on board with that band and stretch my, stretch my cowboy boots out a little bit. And, uh, there you go. will yeah. have to check them out. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, we're the, their record is done and, uh, they're currently in the process of getting uh, dis- distribution and all that sorted out, which is, you know, the, the side of the industry that is the Mm, maybe most annoying to deal with i guess yeah but, the busy uh, work right just the busy work and the knowing you're sitting on something
1: really good and nobody can hear it yet because of contracts and whatever you know yeah how, how do you know when you're sitting on some gold because there's definitely a feeling of like you've worked on something a long time or like an idea comes across and you know you chase it for a little bit and like you find out it's something like how, how do you know
0: Hmm, man, that's, that's a good question.
1: I mean, I, I
0: always really, really appreciate objective feedback and obviously like constructive feedback. You got to have people around you who aren't afraid to tell you when things suck, um, <laughs> which uh, is, is hard to find. You know, if you're, if, if you're playing with people or just surrounded by people who, you know, would support anything you do, whether or not it's good. Then yeah, you're never gonna know if what you're chasing or what you're sitting on is actually good, if or if they're just you know like being uh, being nice friends. So um, with the classes stuff, I mean, very quickly they got um, you know some some label attention, and obviously um, all of the players and stuff on the record and the producers and all that. Uh, you know, I've been around a lot longer than I have I'm the youngest I'm the youngest member of almost all the bands I'm in and that uh that kind of leaning on people with more experience I guess uh has been what it is for me because yeah I mean as much as I've been playing piano for over a decade and making music for even longer maybe uh, people who have been doing it even longer than I have and have seen the good and the bad and all that um you know if they're they don't come up to you and say, Hey man, like this is really great. It's a lot more subtle. Like, you know, Hey, when, so when is this going to come out? Like, you know, you really need to put this out, you know? And, uh, I think that's, that's a pretty big compliment, I guess, to, to all of their stuff.
1: Yeah. It's good. to it's good to kind of have that circle around you and be like the baby in the room. Cause like if you surround yourself with those kinds of people who are like, where, you want to be like even if it's like you know intimidating like you're constantly like looking to your left and your right like oh my god they're all the way over here and i'm all the way back here like you know being around them like you learn and you get all this advice and like eventually you're at that same level right and also like having like that kind of constructive criticism is always pretty good and like sometimes like you know it might be hard to get it twisted you might like get emotional but like most of the time it's like you know good intentions and like they want to see you put out the best work possible
0: yeah totally and and yeah like you're saying when when you look around and you see that everyone else that you're in the same room with is at the level where you want to be it's sometimes hard to get out of your own head and remember that you're in that room too you know that you wouldn't be there just by coincidence, like, you know, you put the behind the scenes work in and you've made the connections or whatever to get you in that room. And if you can just step outside of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm actually here. And just remember like, well, okay, like I am in this moment and I want to do the best I can, not just to impress these people, but like, because that's what I would do, even if it was just my own stuff, or even if it was, you know, a jam in somebody's basement, like you're always wanting to bring the, the best that you can offer, I guess, to whatever project. Um, that's, yeah, that, that's that been a big lesson for me over the last year as, like, as far as getting to play with people that I definitely look up to and, you know, really admire. Um, you just got to remember, you know, like, you wouldn't be there if uh, if there weren't something, hmm, if there weren't something, you know, not special but good enough for you to be there I guess right
1: yeah absolutely I've you know I've honestly never thought about it that way it's a it's a good sentence to kind of ponder like you're in the room too
0: yeah yeah and I I mean I certainly had moments during the recording of that record and the Jackson record and stuff where you just get you know and I'm sure you know this too like making music you get frustrated and you know you're whatever you have in your head like you're just like I want this to happen and you can't executed and you know it's it starts to get frustrating and that's that's not when good music is made you have to take the step back and be like okay let me think about this and you know maybe take some time to plan it out a little more carefully and all that kind of stuff because if the idea is good then you know at the end of it at the end of the execution or whatever it'll still be good but if you dog yourself down and just you know like get too in your head about all of it it's not gonna end up the way you wanted it to and you'll be disappointed
1: yeah. One of the, definitely one of the toughest things for me is like, I'll have an idea in my head, whether it be like a melody or a bass line, and like nine out of 10 times after spending like an hour or two on it, it's not going to sound like how it does in your head. And like most of the time, exactly. like it's going to sound like a couple points worse. And then like after that, like you forget how it originally sounded in your head. Yeah. And it's like, you're trying to like reach for like, Oh God, I had this great idea. And I think like, Another piece of the puzzle is like allowing for the writing process to be fluid and like allowing it to change totally. yeah that was that was a new
0: thing in kind of getting into playing with uh, with I guess more country oriented guys is you know when you write the song that's just you and a guitar and you take it to the band, you know, they don't really sit down and say, unless it's like a signature lick, you know, or something that like is a melody and in, in, uh, that's important to the song, the the biggest thing they're looking for is whatever, like whatever feels most natural because that's what's going to sound the most natural when people are listening to it, you know, not, like you're saying, not spending an hour trying to think and overwrite some sort of part that might be buried in the mix, you know, later and you, that, that wouldn't have been worth it, but like first time hearing the song and thinking like, oh, like that'd be cool if I you know, played something like that, or if I'd like tried to do something like this and just kind of, yeah, letting it flow and being really fluid with it. Just seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Not getting too attached. No. Yeah. Definitely not getting too attached. Cause yeah, like you said, I mean, there's good ideas are, hmm, I, I I don't want to say easy to come by, but they, they're not rare, you know?
1: Yeah, honestly. And like, it's, it is hard to put into words, but yeah, good, good ideas are quite plenty. And if, if one passes by, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Another one will probably come at some
0: point. Exactly. It's not worth it to spend all of your energy chasing something down when you could have already worked on two or three other things that were just as
1: cool. And you know, like they'd be different, but certainly not worse, Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not good with like yeah, I'm I'm bad about perfectionism. Like always trying to <laughs> it's a always man. trying to always trying to like mix stuff perfectly. Which which like granted like been like learning how to mix really well and yeah. the process. So. Totally. Yeah, I mean you have to fail to get good at anything.
0: And I mean, yeah, Lord knows I mean I've yeah, I've I tried to mix my own projects when I first started doing music and quickly realized like, okay, I could put a lot of time into learning how to mix really well and make a lot of bad mixes along the way or I could just write a bunch of bad songs and then get to a point where I'm happy with my songwriting and leave the mixing to the other people who have spent that time I spent writing on mixing or whatever else you know not, not being afraid to ask for help on stuff I guess.
1: For sure yeah, yeah. it's definitely good to like kind of narrow down your focus to a few things because I think like if you try and do everything then you can easily get like overwhelmed and like you're only really putting like a little bit of time and effort into a lot of things totally yeah
0: um <laughs> I, yeah that's uh that's been a big theme in my life recently as far as uh yeah I mean I, I play guitar in some bands I play keys in more bands and projects and then you know, just like from the Our Brother George stuff or um, my own solo record that I'm working on, that's much more of like a songwriting project and focus. And it's a little hard to talk to some of these older musicians and cats who have definitely like really specified and honed in on like what their thing is, you know, like, oh, I'm a I'm a guitar player, but like I'm a strat guy or, you know, like, oh, I'm an upright bass player. Like, you know, don't bring me into the studio to play bass on a rock song because that's not who i am or whatever and um yeah i don't know it's uh, it's fun to try and bite off more than you can chew though like you know if if i can play piano with with people and it's different styles and that's all great um i still want to get up there and rock out on guitar for for my friends sometimes and you know it's all just fun yeah
1: (laughs) but you know it it is it is good to like wear a lot of hats and be a jack of all trades. Um, one of my friends, uh Calvin, he, he goes by the name, Aaron Cartier. He does like hyper pop and rap stuff. Like he was kind of talking to me about that sometimes. Like he, he writes his own music, but he also like produces for people. He makes beats and he also like works at a studio and like, yeah, you kind of have to like do all those things and like, kind of like be able to diversify for or diversify yourself. But like, not not just in the sense of like getting out there and networking and getting good, but also like, you know, the whole, the whole music thing. It's like a matter of like making it your life, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. And I, I totally I think that's a great analogy for like in in the hip hop and and pop community. That is so much more common to have someone who is a producer and like. You know, if you're someone who's really good at bake- making beats, maybe you come from like more of a drumming rhythm background and stuff. And, you know, I mean, Kanye was a producer way before he was a rapper. And he was just that guy in the studio showing people beats and being like, oh, well, you know, like sometimes I I rap too. And now he's, you know, one of the biggest rappers, hip hop people on the planet. Just for having, having those extra skills in your back pocket, right? So you can be in the room for... The best thing that you do, and then when they're looking around, like, "Well, does anybody here, does anybody here play the accordion?" And you just be like, "Oh, I, am a dabble," and then just go show them up, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a recipe. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird example. I was thinking about that playing accordion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, circling back to playing things, so you've been playing piano for like over a decade now. So, like, you yeah. play in bands, but. Or do do you also just do like general like session pianist kind of stuff? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so
0: yeah, Jackson is definitely my biggest like member of the band as a keys player gig. I'm um, I'm a member of the you know the Klaus's band and and a couple other people for whenever they go play shows. But um, no, another one of the, the I dare say like good things to come out of the quarantine because. Everything about that was awful, but um, was that I got a great connection with a studio owner who lived right by my house who was looking for people to come in and do session work like that. And um, yeah, so uh, he'll bring me in and that is super fun to, yeah, not be, not feel the pressure to like be in the band and learn all of their songs and get the vibe right. But just like, okay, well, like here's the track and, you know, we're thinking this kind of sound and here are the chords and, you know, like. show show us what you got yeah it's it's a very different thing than the live performance aspect or the being a member of the band stuff but i yeah i I enjoy it it's it's pretty fun that's nice yeah yeah it's cool um once again just about those connections um the drummer from uh my college band our brother george who is uh co-producing my record with me and is a great mixer you know uh, tim miller but he um so he works at a studio out in East Nashville and, um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, the the act, the studio owner and the, the main guy or all that is always, you know, asking him for people he knows that, you know, are good musicians that can come in and hear a song and then just, like we were saying earlier, be fluid and play what feels natural. The last thing you want to do in a studio session is, like, really stick out too much, you know? Um, that's something that, really blows my mind especially here in music city i mean there are there are studios where they run down like eight or ten songs a day and it's like they might do two or three takes of them and each one of them is different and none of them are like outside of what the general vibe is that they're going for you know if it's a rock session you're not going to show up and be like oh well like what if we tried something really really weird and they're gonna be like no it's like this is This is what the artist wants. Like, this is what the sound is. And yeah, being able to put those different hats on and kind of mold your style a little bit to fit whatever uh, they're asking for is is a different skill, but it's fun.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, out of curiosity, like, what are... Is there like a certain like standard or like list of qualifications, like being like a session pianist or is it kind of just like, Oh, someone's heard you play and like you sound good and you know, they want to like have you help out if you're available. Yeah. I don't know about qualifications.
0: I mean, I, I think about as far as like my journey as a, as a keys player and the, the things that I, did unintentionally that have helped me in the studio world? Like I'm not classically trained. I don't read sheet music. Um, I, you know, honestly, the older I've gotten now, and the more I'm really paying attention to how I play certain chords and note. I'm sure if some classical person saw me play my uh, my fingering, like the which fingers hit which notes, is all wrong. It's just uh-huh. I'm sure it's yeah. Not, I'm sure it's not technically correct, but the way that I think that helps in the in the studio session world is more um, not being, not being constrained by those things or thinking like, you know, oh okay, well, like this is the this is the classical way to play a G major chord like no, well, you, you want to play whatever sounds good. So getting out of the notation part of it and more into the just listening, you know, using your ears to try to hear, like I was saying earlier, like whatever feels natural, you know, if you're learning which chords and whatever to play just based off of listening to other people play chords, you know, you're not going to think like, oh, well, like, well, that's kind of a weird way to play it. You're going to go, oh, well, like that's the way that he plays this in this song. And like, that would be cool to bring to this project or whatever. Having a big back catalog, having a lot of different influences to, to pull from, knowing a lot of. Mm, maybe obscure, but just like uh, melodies and you know other rhythm things that uh, that yeah you can nothing is nothing is truly new you know I mean if if someone is asking for a specific style or if like in a in a more recent example I've been working on like a, a straight ahead pop project you know I definitely wouldn't play the way that I play with the country band for a pop project or something like that. Um, so being able to be flexible, you know, open to new ideas, taking directions. Well, if the, you know, if the producer or whoever is like, Oh, we want, we want a solo here. And then he'll show you a reference, something like this, you know, being able to internalize that and not copy it and just play, you know, in a different style or something like that.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a matter of like, adding or not not like feeling like constrained by like how it sounds but like adding your own spin to it because like it's yours and it feels more fluid and it's more natural um yeah uh, I don't know if I mentioned this but um I have played piano for a long time in my life like I played it all growing up and it's been kind of like on and off because uh I was kind of scared of like practicing at home like I would only like really like rip it when like no one was home and um yeah it's been like on and off because I've kind of been more into like the electronic music production stuff but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and I definitely like kind of like approaching it like not really from like a classical approach like I, I never really got good at reading sheet music and um for like all my piano recitals I would never have music with me and like a lot of people would be playing Bach and Mozart but I'd like be playing like Journey and Queen and shit. Heck yeah
0: I mean yeah that's that's exactly what I'm talking about just getting outside of the the limits that I mean yeah written down music definitely puts on stuff but you know just whatever like you know it's about having a good teacher somebody who's not gonna pound Mozart into your head not that Mozart's not you know dope as fuck but like if you really want to get out there and rock, you have to just put it out there and, you know, get away from the, I think that's the thing. Um,
1: do you know the Nashville number system? Um, I've I've learned about it and people have told me, but I'd have to like go through it again. Yeah. Well, I mean like that's,
0: that's the studio thing and I think people think it's a lot more complicated um, or that it, you know, is just some like super bizarre way to, tell somebody exactly what to play in a studio session, but really it's the opposite. Really it's the most bare bones way to write a song and giving the most freedom to the players to just play whatever feels natural within those changes or something like that. Um, it's a little bit like the, um, did you ever mess around with or look at the, um, the real book? There's like a jazz. Um, I, I just know this from, you know, all the jazz saxophone players and people I've hung out with or whatever. But in in jazz music and even like at the college and university level, the real book is um, essentially a a sheet music book of all jazz standards and like, you know, everything that has been made, you know, what would be considered a standard, right? Um, But they're not written in sheet music. It just has the melody line, like a treble clef, melody notes, And then above each of the bars, it'll just have the chord written out, like at Mm. just as like B minor seven, you know, in letters. And um, that's that's somewhere in between sheet music and the national number system. The national number system is just having the chords, but they're not written in letters. It's written as the numbers. So
1: in the key of G, are the numbers like the fingering?
0: No, like if if the song is in G major. And just for an example, like the first four lines, the first four bars of the song are just G, G, C, C. You would write that in natural number system. One, one, four, four. Oh, gotcha. She, so It's kind of like blues. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like blues. And, uh, Obviously, it can get way more complicated than just, you know, ones, fours, and fives. And that's when it gets really fun when you're reading down a chart and somebody throws a flat three in there or something. And, you know, that it, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? it can get really, really weird. You can get complicated with it. But it's it's about the simplest way to write the, the way that a song goes. Um, and, you know, quickly, obviously. Like, a, a lot of session work is they don't want to pay you for the whole day. So they want you to come in and, and play it right and, you know. Yeah, I bet. Take your money and go, so.
1: <laughs> so the
0: book's called The Real Book? The Real Book, yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely say, like, if you're a piano player or if you're interested in, you know, picking up piano and you're intimidated by the sheet music, you know, insanity that is classical music at a lot of times, The Real Book's a great way to start. There's a lot of songs you'll recognize in there and recognize melodies, and you basically only have to read the treble clef, just the melody line in your right hand, and it'll help you get really good at chording with your left hand, you know, just roots and fifths or uh, more complicated stuff. You know, f- sharp fives still give me
1: trouble and all that, but
0: uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of the more in-between way to, to go about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check it out for sure, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely trying to get back into piano and, like, see what I can really do with it. Um, pr- Probably, like, the hardest thing for me is, like, Really like separating the left and right hand. Yeah, well, and that's that's
0: another thing that 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 book is really good at teaching you. Um, you know, it's uh, it's hard. I yeah, I mean, my I think uh, I think I picked up on my right hand pretty quickly just from listening to uh, you know, all the great like blues and rock piano solos and stuff. A lot of that stuff is just really fast, you know, single note like kind of kind of fun stuff and that was always very easy to pick up on, but you're right. Like being able to do that and keep something going with the left hand is, um, it's definitely tricky. Yeah, for sure. Definitely trickier. Yeah. No, just takes time. Like anything. Yeah. And That's how it
1: goes. What's one of your favorite, like piano, solos, piano licks ever. Um, I think
0: probably the first, piano solo that i fell in love with was um Jessica by the Almond Brothers band played by Mr. Chuck Lavelle who uh joined the Almond Brothers for their last album and then he was um the Rolling Stones keyboard player for mm-hmm. a long time he played on XL on Main Street and all that stuff but um you know Jessica is, is an interesting song it, it's it was written on guitar and they wrote the melody line as a tribute to um, Django Reinhardt, who's a great uh, gypsy jazz guitar player, and um, obviously that melody is iconic. But that song would not be that song without the rhythm keys part, and then he just rips a solo, and you know, in the middle of it, and um, yeah, I don't know. Check out, For sure. check it out. I'll
1: have to check it out. Maybe I've heard that song, but it is I have also to hear the it. It. it's also the theme music to Top Gear.
0: Oh. I don't know if people watch that show. I got real into Top Gear in high school.
1: <laughs> I've, I've, I've maybe seen a couple episodes. I had like I had like car phase blips here and there. But yeah, but yeah. If
0: you want an original melt your face piano solo, check out Jessica. Um, I always make jokes with a lot of keys players, and uh, even you know. When uh, my friend Tim comes to see me play, he's always hounding me to play something original because so many blues key solos and everybody just kind of falls into the same pattern: go up really high, sixteenth notes,
1: mm.
0: <laughs> you know. It, it, I don't want to ruin key solos for anybody, but <laughs> once I say that, you'll just notice it everywhere. Any song that has a piano solo, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right, that's uh. That's how you keep the energy up. You know, the piano is a very wide-ranging instrument. It's percussion, so, you know, you can really do a lot with it, but it seems like when people ask for a piano solo, most of the time they mean go up somewhere really high on the keyboard and just bang away, you know, really fast. So
1: Yeah, I figured. <laughs> right. But um, probably, like, one of my favorite piano... I don't know if I'd call it like a lick or a riff or whatever, but um, Layla by Eric Clapton, yeah, the, that outro. The outro, man. I cry every time.
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that song is beautiful. And uh, and it changes keys for it too. The whole yeah. song's in D, and then he starts playing the outro in C, and it, yeah, it's just wow. minor to major. Mm hmm. Magical. Magical, man. There's a great uh, YouTube video from um, Lock In Festival last year where, uh, Trey Anastasio set in with the Derek Trucks band and they covered that whole Layla album. And it's that's that's a song that's almost impossible to cover, you know? It's so iconic from the original recording. And obviously, Derek might be the only person who can play like Dwayne Allman, but uh, it the whole thing's on YouTube. Go, uh, go watch it. It's uh, man,
1: yeah, brought me to tears. I'll check it out, it's gorgeous. Are you a fish fan at all? Or a fan, I should say? Oh, man. You said Trey Anastasia, I, so I got to ask.
0: I was. I went to some fish concerts at, right after high school. And um, I think at the time it was definitely much more of a social thing. Like, obviously, you know, smoking pot. So people, like, that's what we listen to. My high school band was the same setup as fish. Like I was the keys oh, you were player. Jam, you were in a jam band. Oh yeah. So like I was the keys player. We had the frontman, lead guitarist who played a hollow body, you know, like, um, and then obviously the bass and drums, great guys. Um, you know, still good homies of mine, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't know that style of music. We just, yeah, we really leaned into just it being a party and I, we got very popular in high school purely because, People have wanted to come and noodle dance and, you know, I mean, train it, you know, say what you will about fish and their songwriting and I I certainly won't dog them or anything. I don't think I can after the amount of money I spent on going to concerts, but, um, (laughs) he, yeah, I mean, he is a fantastic guitar player. Like just, just to see him live is truly incredible. Um, do I sit around and listen to fish songs anymore? No, I wouldn't say I do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've, I've, I like fish a lot too, and I've seen him several times, but I don't really like, I I don't know all the songs. Like some people do like, I know like I I can name maybe like five or so fish songs, but
0: well, yeah, I mean, it's like the dead too. I mean, I feel like people are, are on one side or the other of the whole jam band phenomenon that, that the grateful dead definitely started, but I don't know if it's a maturity thing or whatever. Yeah, when I was in when I was in high school and early college, I didn't think very much of the dead. I really only knew like Casey Jones and uh, Touch of Gray, I guess, or whatever. And um, now, as I've gotten older, I've really come to appreciate their songwriting a lot more than Fishes, because you know they actually hired out like you know poets to write the lyrics and. I, I feel like they were honestly in a lot of ways even more experimental than than Fish just as far as bringing all different styles of American music together from jazz and, I mean, Jerry Garcia's Bluegrass album is like so good. What's like, that called? Uh, there's one called um, The Pizza Tapes, which is him and Tony Rice and David Grisman. And then um, he's got another one with David Grisman called... Dog, dog house. Um, ah, oh, you might have to check me on that. I can't really think of it right now, but, um, but yeah, just uh, like, I, and obviously the Grateful Dead's like most successful records, um, American beauty and uh, working man's dead were their acoustic like turn, you know, that was when they were like, Oh, we're going to kind of go away from getting really, really psychedelic for a minute. And we're just going to, you know, make acoustic music and, turns out that that was the one that the people really wanted all along, I guess. Wow. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. Would you go see Dead and Company?
1: Um, I have seen them a couple times. It's been forever, though. Um, I saw them at Bonnaroo, like back in 2016. It was my first Bonnaroo. They played Ooh. on Sunday night, closed out the festival. Yeah, it was... it it was it was phenomenal it was like the perfect setting to see them Mm -hmm. i definitely greened out towards the end of the set (laughs) like a a lot of people were like laying down and just stargazing yeah i followed suit and took a little snoozer and then i woke up and they were playing touch of grain was (laughs) the last song oh man but no it was still like super sick um just because it was like So, like, Bonnaroo, they they don't really do this anymore because it's a little bit more, like, mainstream, like the whole, like, Live Nation acquisition. But, like, they used to have, like... Yeah, Boo is right. Boo Live Nation. But, like, they used to have, like, a legacy act close out the festival on Mm -hmm. Sunday night. And, like, there'd be, like, no one else conflicting. So, like, everyone would go see them. So, like, had, like, Elton John close out the fest and, like, Billy Joel, to name a couple. And, yeah, so 2016, they had Dead and Company. And it was, like... Really cool, because... Oh, yeah, that was, like,
0: one of the first years they Dead & Company was touring, too, wasn't it? it? Yeah, I feel like the... the, Because when was the Fair The Well shows? That was, like, 2015, 2014, maybe? I definitely remember watching that in high school, the one where Trey played, and they did the San Francisco, like, final Grateful Dead concerts, and then I feel like pretty soon after that was when... Bob was like, "I want to play with John Mayer," <laughs> and <laughs> one of the just yeah, one of the wildest,
1: seemingly out of nowhere decisions that turned out great. That's like this genius. That's one of my favorite crossover episodes in music ever. Yeah, like, I think it's just so cool to see John Mayer of this really like vanilla artist. If who, you like, went
0: if you went back to two thousand and four and you know played your body as a wonderland for some deadhead and said, "Hey, man." In 10 years, <laughs> this guy is going to be closing Bonnaroo with Bob Weir and all the original rhythm section from The Grateful Dead, and it's going to be really good. would, You know, it would have kicked your ass. Like, that's yeah. sacrilegious. But that just shows, man. Bob, Bob knows what he's doing. He, I know. Yeah. He was on it. I saw... I haven't seen Dead and Company. I saw John Mayer uh, when he came uh, to Bridgestone here, and... Uh, I mean yeah, I'll be honest, I kind of got dragged there by my by my girlfriend at the time and uh wasn't wasn't expecting like to really really love it. I don't like d- didn't know a lot of his earlier stuff and I thought a lot of his newer uh, albums and stuff were were kind of weak. I liked uh, Born and Raised. I liked a lot in high school, but he was in his uh I guess this was right before Sob Rock, so when he was doing the what was that? Like emoji of a wave record, the Search for everything, something like that. Yeah, but all that to say, the guy shreds. Oh, I mean, it, it is a it is a full tilt rock show,
1: and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really want to see him. I still haven't.
0: No, you got the
1: you got him playing with the dead. That's uh, yeah. Oh you know, wait, I, I guess I guess I have to, but
0: like not a solo. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> do you know uh, Jacob Collier? I do. Yeah. Um, I think he gets in his, in his own way sometimes, obviously like just a musical savant.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, can, that's like the word slash category. That... I think that's the
0: only word to describe it. Cause he's, I mean, I, there's, there's musicians that I would call geniuses that have bridged complicated musical things and made it accessible to broad audiences but that's, like, not what Jacob Collar is doing. He's not, I mean, yes, like, it's it's really cool to listen to him and just be in awe of, like, what the hell is this guy doing? And, like, you know. But I think Savant points a lot more to, like, he is, he's just hearing things and seeing the the notes in the scale in a completely different way than, than, I don't know, almost everybody else sees it it's it's too jazz to be you know commercial and it's too um (laughs) it's too weird to be uh I don't know straight ahead jazz like it's just yeah it's
1: it's out there yeah it's definitely its own thing but I, I definitely get what you mean like as much as I love him I do get a sense of like look at me I know music theory and I know it very well
0: yeah like we were talking about the studio thing like you know if you bring Jacob Collier in on your track, he, it's, you're gonna know, like you're gonna know that it's him doing the reharmonizations and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, so I guess that's what I mean. And like in the, he he definitely has his own style, super uh, dialed in and all that, but it's, uh, it, it gets in the way of, of maybe what could be a really, really good song. And, obviously if he was in a situation where he had to play i don't doubt that he could pull it back and play super well you know with somebody who didn't want all of the crazy reharmonization stuff but i just i haven't seen that anywhere it seems like everything he does is full tilt weird yeah it's pretty cool but not not something that i spend a lot of time listening to i guess i would say other than if I'm, you know, really stone and just want to get my mind blown, and like I have no
1: idea how you're doing that, and
0: <laughs> that stuff's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, um, what are what are some of your go-to artists or genres? I guess whatever when you've been messing around with the the devil's lettuce and you're in the mood. The devil's lettuce. Um,
0: I, I mean, I still listen to a lot of jazz. I don't really, um, I don't really play it that much anymore. But you know, you can't can't beat the the, the classics. Um, i you know, I'm I'm that kind of hipster that never uh, never sold any of the vinyl that we all bought in 2014s. So I've still got like all of the... still
1: in my collection, it's so, right uh, over there. Heck yeah! See, there you go.
0: Vinyl for the win. It's the yeah. best.
1: I need to get a good record player, though. Like, I have I have one upstairs, but, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of ass, Right. I need to, I've, like, I've heard that, ball out yeah, with a good
0: uh, needle. I've heard that makes the big difference, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I should have said. I'm still rocking the Audio Technica, like, you know, first turntable that I ever got. I'm pretty sure it's running through a Crosley just for the speaker. So that could definitely use an upgrade. But, yeah, as far as genres and stuff go, yeah, I mean, uh, in that state of mind, yeah, definitely uh definitely some some cool jazz, you know, sixties stuff, seventies Herbie Hancock, you know, getting funky. Um that or, you know, um uh maybe some maybe some really chill indie folk acoustic stuff. Stuff just, you know, anything that has like a big atmosphere, you know, that has a lot of space that I guess you can just kind of, you know, stargaze, you know, to and drift off that kind of stuff.
1: It's a certain type of mood.
0: Mm -hmm. Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Atmospheric is definitely a word that I would put on like the kind of music I like when I'm stone and just like in, in general, like I'm like, I've, I've kind of like dabbled in psychedelic rock. Um, But yeah, I've, I'm, I love music with just like big, like, wall of sound super melodic just like whole lot going on like uh you know like Tame Impala of course and uh do do, do you know Pond yeah well that was that's uh they were his band on tour, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some of the members mm-hmm. play with him. No, yeah. I've definitely checked them out. They're cool. And Australia's
1: doing some crazy stuff. So, and so, many, good so many good artists come Australia from Australia. You mm-hmm. got Pond, Tame Impala, yeah. You got Flume on the electronic side. And then King like, Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. King Gizzard. Do you like Courtney Barnett? I know the name, but haven't really checked her
0: out. She's good. She's definitely a little more in the, uh, I mean, obviously a great songwriter, but definitely a little more restrained than the. In your face aspect of you know King Giz and a lot of those people or whatever, but um she did a record with uh, Kurt Vile a couple years ago, and saw them on tour. She, yeah, she's great. Can't wait for her new record. Australia, man. Uh, I've wondered like from ACDC to Tame Impala. Yeah, <laughs> like, ACDC too. <laughs> I
1: know. Right. I always forget that they're from <clears throat> Australia. I'm, I'm actually like a pretty big fan <laughs> of them. Like my my mom and her her older brother they grew up on them and. I inherited it, so totally yeah, big fan of them. Oh, yeah. Seen them a couple times.
0: Yeah, I saw a. Um, there's those uh, great uh, rig rundown videos. I don't know if you've ever seen where they like when people come through Nashville or whatever. Premier Guitar will go out and basically just like take you through their entire stage rig or whatever. Go watch the one on ACDC. It's like what's uh, it called? Rig rundown. Okay. Yeah, and they uh, <laughs> they go to the ACDC one. And it's just like a hundred Marshall stacks and they're all oh my god they're not they're not even dimed I think he puts all of them at like three but it's just like a hundred of them so that's where he gets all that breakup and like the crazy distortion and all that Mm. I mean Angus is like you know no pedals no, no frills just straight ahead shredding honestly it's sweet
1: and then you have the cannons for uh, for those about to those rock, by rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah,
0: Malcolm Young, one of the most underrated rhythm guitar players of all time. Fucking facts. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. for real. Um, but yeah, no, never never got the credit because he let Angus take all the solos. But man, Malcolm was holding it down, and that's that's hard. Yeah, man, that's hard to do.
1: My, my mom's brother actually got to see them during the Bon Scott era and like some, some sort of sweaty gym. (laughs) That sounds like a great time. Yeah. He Um, holds that over her to this day. (laughs) and My mom's eternally jealous. Oh man. Yeah. I would too.
0: Um, I know, I know some buddies of mine went to the, uh, the Stones concert when they just came through town, uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever. I was
1: actually, uh, working at Ascend Amphitheater that night and I could see them across the river. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably hear it too. <laughs> um, you could kind of hear it, like um, if if you stood at a certain spot, you could like kind of hear the music, and sure. like I could kind of see one of like the screens, but mm. couldn't really hear the bass. But um, I like Ascend Amphitheater a lot.
0: Um, but I guess uh, I want to ask you because I know we both go to a lot of shows and we've been to a lot of different venues in town. What's your favorite place to see live music in Nashville?
1: Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Spoiled for choice. Yeah. Well, actually hold hold on a thought real quick. I want to circle back to the stones real quick. Um <laughs> I, I got to see them on their uh the the zip code tour or whatever. Oh, it was like a whole like long time ago. It was yeah. like Amen. yeah, it was like 2015. It was on July 4th, actually. They played at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's it was big. like one of, if not like the like best fourth of July I've had that's to date. Sweet. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Mick still got it. He does, man. Yeah, he's still got the moves, got the choreography down. Yes, sir. <laughs> but, um, favorite venue in Nashville? I mean, right, man. We've been here long enough. Like, I, you know, I feel like
0: I've seen a show at most of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have to think about it and, like, each one. Oh, that's my cat, Sophia. Yeah. Hey, Sophia. But, um, anyways, also, I, if, if, if we're lucky, we might get a meow. No, nope, not now.
0: Yeah. Oh, maybe the mic picked hope, that up. Hope I didn't talk over it. <laughs> that was adorable. I know what you're saying though. It's hard to choose. They're all good for different things. You know. I mean. Yeah. I, I saw Anderson Pocket uh, ascend, and like, I can't imagine what that oh, I show would have. That, that was a sick show. I can't imagine what it would have been like. Uh, you know, at the Ryman though.
1: Like, yeah. it would just be
0: totally different.
1: I've I've been to the Ryman. I saw uh, Janelle Monet. Do you know her? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love her a lot. That was a good show. It was actually kind of my introduction to her because uh, my brother, he's like a pretty big fan. Yeah. But yeah, the the Ryman's dope. And like, I, I guess like, I I don't know. Going back to like the favorite venue debate, um, each each one kind of has its own accolades. They like, do, and
0: they all have their own you know uh, a- accolades. Right where like personality, you know, mm-hmm. like going to see the same artist in two different venues, obviously like they're going to be different shows, but even, yeah, it's just, the
1: vibe is totally different
0: everywhere. And
1: yeah, like at the Ryman, you have like the aesthetic and the history. Yeah. Um, ascend, um, which, which I, I guess I'm not sure about this one. It depends on like the engineer, but like, I've always found that it has really good sound. Oh, I, yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, yeah. Obviously like one of the most scenic venues, you have the skyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, Basement East, great place for intimate shows. Yeah. And I I've, I've been there been there a couple times now since it got rebuilt and it's good to like see it back up and running. Oh yeah, it was great to have them back. I I caught one of their uh one of their first shows back, I guess over
0: there and um you know, they yeah, they built it back just the way it was. It's uh it's a great place. I'll uh I'll say I recently played one of um, I'll just say I'll just say one of because, I, I you know, who knows what like my favorite place to play in, in, in town is of all time or whatever. But I played my first show at Third and Lindsley the other week. Have
1: you ever I don't heard think of that I've been place? there.
0: I've heard of it I, for yeah, sure. I had never been there. I'd never been there either. And uh like the stage sound was the best I've ever had. Really? Ever. Damn. And maybe it was cause they uh it was for um it was for the Lightning One Hundred, uh Sunday night where they send it out over the radio too, so they had to have like extra engineers there, I guess, obviously, and, you know, make sure everything was uh, <laughs> up to spec for the radio. But, uh, yeah, that place sounded great. And uh, I remember the engineer made a point to tell us that he uh, he wasn't like any of these other Nashville engineers that was just uh-huh. a failed musician who turned to engineering, that, like, this is what he actually wanted to do and, like, this is what he was really passionate about. And we kind
1: of – yeah, I mean, we kind we kind of <laughs> gave him
0: some shit for saying that at first, and then we got up there and ate our words because it
1: sounded incredible. So you know, <laughs> right on. Well, mm. I'll have to go there sometime. Yeah, Very cool. I also really like Marathon Music Works. It's a good space, and never had a bad experience there. The sound is kind of ass. I've but- yeah, I've never
0: been to a show there. I've been to Marathon for maybe some maybe some sort of event. You know, I mean that's it's such a big room. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was some sort of some sort of festival or or something where they just had all the like fenders and stuff set up in there or whatever. But um, yeah, those those big warehouse venues are hard. Um, from I haven't played marathon, but I've played a couple um, going on tour and stuff like that. And it, yeah, it's pretty hit or miss. Either they have it really dialed in because they've they they know the room or they've treated the certain hard parts of it, mm-hmm. or it's just you're, you know, trapped in a steel box, hearing yourself ten seconds later from the back wall. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, not the best. When did you go on tour, or like who did you tour with?
0: Uh, I've been on a couple tours. Um, I, uh, I guess my most recent one over the summer. I uh, did a couple dates with um, this guy Ben Jarrell, a country fellow. Um, we did uh, Alabama a little Alabama run and went up to Illinois um, about a year or two ago I went out for a week with um, this guy Dylan Jacobson. It's all it's all just been kind of one-offs weekend warring you know kind of stuff nothing nothing that took me away from everything for too long yeah. but you know I think that, uh that's definitely like a, a career. Uh, goal of mine is to you know most most likely with uh backing up somebody else and with one of these bands hopefully that uh we can have the opportunity to go do something cool like that but um yeah you know just putting putting the miles in you know and paying your dues all over the country so yeah. yeah, there's nothing more fun than that. I love traveling, so I love it's, not, traveling too. it's not it's not the best way to see the country from the you know from the backseat of a van. But yeah,
1: uh, the, I bet the off days are few and far between. They yeah they are. Well, and especially on on
0: stuff like that where you know you're only you're only playing maybe four or five shows in six days. Yeah, like you're not your off day is spent just. Trying to get to the next show, basically, mm-hmm. um, not much chance to explore. But you know, that's what that's what comes with experience and yeah. climbing the ladder and all that. So,
1: yeah, yeah. You've played at uh, Pilgrimage before, right?
0: I did. Yeah, Jackson played there um, in 2019, um, and we played the Kimbrose stage. And um, yeah, that was that was a really really fun time. Um, just man, I. I'd never been to that festival beforehand and, uh, you know, getting to see Leon Bridges and um, I can't remember. Oh, Foo Fighters headlined the Mm. day we played. So, yeah, just uh, that's a pretty... That's a pretty wild, uh, wild feeling walking out of the backstage area to go watch the Foo Fighters oh, play. Like, oh man, they were, uh, yeah, that was great. That's a
1: great festival. I'm so glad they got that back this year. And- I need to go sometime. I really wanted to go this year. I, I liked the lineup a lot. It was like the Black Keys, Cage of the Elephant, and then uh, another brand I really liked was uh, Tank and the Bangas.
0: Yeah. I fucking
1: love that. Yeah, I was
0: telling you, yeah, I mean, I saw them uh, when I lived in New Orleans play at, um, well, it wasn't Jazz Fest. It was some uh, it was some local barbecue and blues festival, barbecue, yeah, something like that, uh, some little festival in, in New Orleans. This would have been, yeah, like 2015, I think before their Tiny Desk concert, Damn. like before all that stuff. And yeah, I didn't really know them. Me and my buddy yeah, were that was sitting watching them. That was my introduction to them. They, yeah, man, they put on a show, so much energy and so great. Um,
1: Nola, right? Yeah, Nola's <laughs> fucking lit. I've been there twice. Uh, I went there a couple years ago for uh Buku Festival.
0: Yeah, it's a
1: dope festival. It's a dope festival.
0: Definitely, definitely seems a little more up your alley than mine, but uh. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, I had some friend I didn't go the year I lived there, but I had some friends who went, and oh man, yeah, like uh, all the art there and all yeah. of the just you know everything is. The so, lineup is always really good. Mm-hmm. The one festival I went to in Orleans was uh, Voodoo. I've I've heard of that one, and Voodoo is cool. I don't, I you know, I don't really listen to that much uh, EDM, and or, or, uh, or certainly don't go to uh raves or concerts that much or whatever but voodoo was a really cool split where you had a big edm stage and then you'd have some smaller you know rock and indie folk kind of stages and then you know one big huge one where like we saw florence and the machine modest mouse Mm -hmm. like you know huge huge acts but um yeah, I don't know, man. I yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the EDM show. I uh this was after um the Random Access Memories album uh from Daft Punk came out and Giorgio Morador played. Oh my god. I, so I caught his like DJ set and it holy was holy shit. I bet it that was, was wild. It was sick. They had the giant like gold image of his face up there and I mean, yeah, it's it's just a crazy experience for there. You know, everybody at the festival and and uh, at that stage was, you know, 22 or younger, and here's this almost 70 year old man up there, just like dropping bass drops and you know getting getting wild. He was getting crunk. Damn, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. How old is he? He's up there, man. I mean, you know, he was already what in his late 20s early 30s when he did all the donna summer stuff and that was like late 70s so right yeah he's yeah he's got yeah he's got to be like almost 70 years old yeah not older um still still a legend still kicking
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah that's one of my favorite albums ever random access memories memories. oh yeah Mm mm-hmm that whole and and so
0: cool that they devoted that whole song to like him and and his story because yeah. he he really started all of that stuff you know that that Donna Summer song uh I mean no no one had ever heard anything like that before ever synthesizers were so new you know there were Moogs and stuff on like like Abbey Road had a Moog you know and like the big big studios in the sixties and stuff but they didn't really use them for a song it was always like oh like when we we want a horn part that doesn't sound like a horn and so they go use that but he was the first one to really like show the limits of how powerful those things are and and what they can do awesome
1: yeah props to him Mm -hmm. for sure um sophia getting all the love sophia's my cat by the way yeah i've had her for like um she she was my childhood cat, and like my mom recently like downsized and moved to California, and like she also has a dog, but um, like where she's living, she probably she said that like she probably couldn't manage both pets, so got to have her and yeah, we are straight chilling straight chilling she's being a great producer,
0: you know mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> she's a great assistant, <laughs> yeah
0: Ruin. um.
1: I got to ask about our brother George real quick. Like, I don't think we've I don't think we've talked about Mr. George. No, I don't think we have. Um yeah, that was um the
0: first um so yeah, I mean I'll I'll back up and and do a little personal music timeline, I guess that'll be the easiest way to to talk about it cuz in so in high school, you know, I started jamming when people was in the jam band and we split most of the songwriting duties between me and the um his name's Richard Wells. He's got some uh, cool projects out. Um, he was the lead guitar player and other singer. So we're um, <laughs> watching Sophia get uh-huh. into the vinyl box. I
1: if <laughs> she'll be able to get out.
0: Yeah. But so that was my first. Um... <laughs> oh, this is so distracting. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh don't oh, knock it down. Don't tip it. I don't tip the box walk the boat. What are you gonna do? It's all good. <laughs> all right. There we go. <laughs> Very <are. we're> good. <laughs> Recording saved. <laughs> all right. Um, well, yeah. So we split songwriting duty in that band, and uh, uh, you know that was a lot of that was definitely my first time, I guess, uh, really writing songs and like writing songs for other people to play, and uh, just trying to get a sense of what my style was like. Obviously, heavily dictated by the people that I was playing with. So, uh, you know, it got, uh, it got really, got pretty spacey there and, you know, kind of jam bandy, you know, we would just write, uh, chord progressions and stuff that would just come out of, you know, jams and then, you know, put, put words to them. Um, then of course, you know, we all split up and, uh, went to different colleges and had our, um, had our final show with all that. And when I got to Tulane, i wanted to continue doing that but i didn't i i kind of had enough of trying to just write like and i was always bad at it honestly like party music you know i mean richard could write a song that like just had a great four on the floor like get everybody dancing kind of thing and i was always the the introspective keys player who wanted to just play ballads and like you know get really deep Mm -hmm. um and so I wanted to keep doing all of that kind of stuff, but obviously it was hard to find uh, the the people at school. And first year of college is hard, you know, for for most people, like just trying to get settled and find other people with, you know, similar interests. That's when yeah, you really come into yourself, yeah, it definitely takes a minute. And um, so as I was, yeah, running around trying to find the other uh, Southern sensibility. Um, less, you know, less funk and jam bandy musicians, uh, it's pretty hard to find in a city like New Orleans full of, you know, funk bands and jazz organ trios and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I basically just kind of took it in my own hands and bought a Tascam, uh, uh, portable recorder and just would, you know, hold myself up in, in my room writing and, and practicing and, uh, that was the first time I ever was recording myself. So I'm, I made, uh, basically a record of, um, of just a bunch of dorm room demos and, um, really just, yeah. tried to explore like what, what types of songs I would write without being worried about like, Oh, well, you know, how is, how is Richard going to play, uh, you know, jazzy guitar solo over this, whatever, just kind of letting them be what they were going to be. And, um, it, yeah, it, it turned into something very f- folky and country, and obviously a lot of like rock influence and stuff like that. But uh, it was just yeah, it was just so freeing to kind of be able to make whatever type of song I, I wanted to and and try to find my voice through all that. Right on. Leveraged uh, some of those recordings into the Belmont songwriting program, and like that. Sorry,
1: to but would you mind getting a little closer to the mic?
0: Oh, sure. Um, so I, yeah, I leveraged those, uh, those recordings into the, um, into the Belmont songwriting program. And, um, that's what got me into the program and basically brought me to Belmont, you know, was just getting advice, uh, from my parents and, and from other people that, you know, Nashville was probably a lot more in line with what my personal music taste was and all that kind of stuff. Um, Came here to Belmont. We've touched on my whole first year here and how that went awry. But um, <laughs> uh, after that, I uh, basically just started putting a band together and um, got in touch with another two-lane transfer Belmont graduate, all-around badass, Molly Martin. Mm, heard uh-huh. of her. Oh, yeah. So uh, check her music out. Molly is one of my favorite musicians on the planet and Absolute boss at everything she does. She's currently on tour playing bass for Thelma and the Sleaze right now, which is like a kind of sludge rock, you know, uh, she's a badass, all to say, but, uh, she was my first, our first bass player in our brother, George. And she's one who introduced me to Tim Miller, who was our first drummer. Um, and then, uh, Kevin Butte, who I was living with, uh, he started, uh, our brother George with me on keyboards, and that was um, that was kind of the first band that like I had put together on my own, and it was all my own songs. Um, we released um, an EP that I recorded back home in South Carolina that first year, and um, that seemed to do pretty well. Um, had a had a release show for that at the local and. I guess just over time through college and everything um you know Molly wanted to do her solo thing and you know uh very amicably went off to make her incredible music um Kevin Kevin and I had some creative uh disagreements just about uh I guess the seriousness that I was trying to take it you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's a hard line to walk between like oh, this is a college band and, you know, we're just here to like have fun and, and play fun shows. And I, you know, I'll, I'll put on myself that I was definitely taking it pretty seriously and maybe maybe too seriously for what it was, just being a fun college band. But um, yeah, I mean, over the course, we, you know, recorded more music, um, put out some singles with our friend uh, Parker Scobie, um shout out parker shout out parker um mr fiance um yeah (laughs) but um yeah and then uh i guess the year before i graduated we um applied for the belmont rock showcase and made it to the final for that and um by that time kevin had moved over to playing bass we had andrew Lambie on guitar and uh Mac clay who I've mentioned earlier, um, on saxophone and occasional keyboard for that show. Um, and yeah, I mean, just had an absolute ball of a time doing that, you know, super, super fun. Uh, say what you will about what Belmont and I will say what I want about Belmont because they do so many things wrong. Um, yeah, we, we get that a lot on the show. Yeah. I'm sure that's a recurring theme on here, but, uh, I w- you know, just, We'll say one thing, I guess, because the showcase series is run by students and is a lot more democratic in, you know, how they, uh, put all that together and, um, obviously execute this big, uh, arena show at the, at the end of it all. Um, we, yeah, we, had, we had a ball doing that. It was super, super fun. Um, did not return victorious in the end, but. What are you gonna do? Um, lemon drop one. It was lemon right. drop. Yeah, Joni Lemons and and her band. Uh huh. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't. I haven't really uh, stayed in stayed up to date with them since then. but uh, I yeah. I don't know if they're a thing anymore. I don't know either. I think they were still uh, making music. I was uh, kind of friends acquaintances with. Um, Dave Moran, who was in that band for a second and now he puts out music under as a sweater boy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know he's still doing cool stuff, which is good. But um, yeah, by the end of, um, by the end of college, you know, um, Kevin was going to move back to Florida. Um, I moved out of the house with Mac um, and me, Tim and Lambie tried to do some recording just on our own and that sort of hit a wall. I, you know, I was probably getting in my own way a little bit, uh, with the, as far as the mixing side of it all. And, uh, I think I just sort of lost a lot of the focus of like from a project that started as like the most personal myself in a dorm room, uh, you know, just trying to write songs and find my own voice and figure out all of that to, you know, playing the, the big rock showcase at, at college and I don't know, trying, feeling like I had to make it into some sort of big rock show production thing or whatever. Uh, you know, I just kind of lost, uh, lost interest in keeping the, the same thing going. Um, didn't help that it, from the, you know, I graduated right before the pandemic happened. So it was, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah, sucked for all of us. Yeah, it, it really did. But it, it, you know, it gave me a lot of, gave all of us a lot of time to, a lot of time to sit and think about all of those things. And, um, you know, Lambie moved on to, um, he's now playing guitar for a guy named Aaron Sparling. They've got some music coming out. Um, he plays down on Broadway a fair bit. Um, he's doing great with all of that kind of stuff. Tim obviously got much more into the audio engineering and mixing, and he now works at the studio that we record out in East Nashville. And, um, like you know, I just weirdly enough, I didn't play keys like at all in college. I mean, I played for Jackson, but he's not a Belmont guy, that was you know, much more of like a in the city. I'd go play down in Franklin and stuff with him or whatever. But I, I look back on that and I kind of wonder why I didn't play or, you know, put myself out there to play more with, uh, I guess more Belmont crowds and and musicians and all that stuff. I had multiple people that like I knew in college that I would see later at a show playing keys and like people i would known for like, you know, a year or two and they'd be like, Oh, I had no idea that you played piano. And like, I don't know, that's, it's arguably one of the things I'm best at. So uh, that's kind of on me, just kind of getting away from it, maybe diving too deep into the, the our brother George rabbit hole. And um, anyways, on the other side of all that now, getting back to, again uh, back to basics, you know, gonna we're in, the, in the middle of doing a record with Tim, um, you know, Hank Long, follow Hank Long songs on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to, A couple of them are old, uh, our brother George songs that we're going to revamp and redo, um, with better production. Um, (laughs) nothing against, uh, you know, bedroom recordings and, uh, college, college jams, but, uh, you know, just, just a little more professional and, um, yeah. It's been, it's been a journey and it, it was obviously so fun, you know, just doing all of that and, and having fun with all of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean
1: y'all, y'all did the damn thing. Definitely crushed did. it. Yeah, did we did it. it.
0: We, we, we went on and, uh, yeah. So I think it was uh, a month or two ago I, uh, posted the photo from our proud mom productions, uh, video shoot, yeah, I which saw that. was kind of the only photo I had of all of, all of us, uh, that were at some point involved with it or not, uh, together. And, you know, I mean, just my utmost thanks and appreciation for everybody who was a part of the project. It was, it was, yeah, it was an absolute blast and a half. And now here we are moving on to hopefully bigger and better things, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and permanence is such a huge theme and like, I mean, anything, but like, especially like, definitely seen it and like the music industry my experience in it like my friendships a lot of like my friends who like had bands in college like a lot of people are like going off in their own direction doing their own thing and like yeah like the the whole concept of impermanence it's like one of the scariest things because I think about the stuff that I'm interested in and my goals and I wonder like oh how long is this gonna last but it's also one of the most beautiful things like yeah. it, it's kind it's kind of liberating to think that like, you know, Oh, things will run its core or things will run their course naturally. Totally.
0: Know? Yeah. And I, and I'll definitely say that. I mean, it, uh, have, have having a, a definite end and you're right. Like knowing things won't last forever. Um, yeah, it's what, it's what makes life meaningful in a grand sense and i'll say that i have uh, so much more appreciation for the the band and for everybody that was involved with it and yeah the you know the good times the great shows that we played and like all the all just all the fun that we were having afterwards you know like now looking back i, don't, I that's just classic nostalgia i guess yeah. but uh yeah like you know we yeah we we really we we did it we did the damn thing played a uh, Played some halloween shows played um played at the high Watt a few times um yeah obviously did the belmont whole ring of a roll um and yeah no regrets yeah. great time fun
1: fact about showcase i did front of house for mm-hmm. the george crew
0: oh yeah and if i remember correctly the mix was phenomenal it was Hell so yeah. good good to hear one of the, I think one of the few times because it was all in ears for that,
1: right? Mm-hmm. I didn't do monitors. I was front of house. Oh right, right, okay. Well, yes. Oh yeah, right. I'm a musician.
0: I know the difference. That yeah, right.
1: Um, well then, yeah, it sounded great. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all sounded good too. But yeah, go, going back to showcase real quick and like cir- circling back to Belmont. Like yeah, there there are gripes about. The whole program like especially with showcase yeah it, it does have to like look good on the brochure um you know there's yeah. like a certain level of like i don't know if like censorship is the right word but like it's it's uh, it's got to be accessible to everyone but
0: like there was definitely censorship from the perspective of applying to do it i mean our our biggest song was a song called free cocaine yeah. and they it sounds, told, sounds
1: like 300,000 plays, right? mm,
0: they, but they told us straight up. They were like, yeah, you can't like, yeah, you know, understandable. Can't, <laughs> can't do that. You can't play that song. So, um,
1: yeah. Un- yeah. Understandable. But, but like, um, like you, you, you were kind of hinting at it, but like in, in the sense of like opportunities and involvement and like hands on experience that we've gotten at Belmont and like, the just like level of knowledge and like our professors who've like been doing the thing that we're aspiring to do for like a few decades, several decades now. Like it's, it really is amazing. And like showcase is like, it was like a truly like one of a kind experience and like, like a full scale concert. And like, we were doing that as like little kids. (laughs) <laughs> not, not necessarily little kids but <laughs> little kids. you know what i mean yeah little, little college kids yeah um
0: no totally i know yeah it uh it it was a lot of freedom from everyone and certainly like uh, you know it's yeah it's a professionalism like you're expected to to be as pro as you would be if it was you know a I almost just said like a real concert but you know what i mean like a like a major label act you know or mm-hmm. whatever and yeah it, like the same quality of work is expected and they really i mean yeah it was a full tilt production like the oh, yeah. flying i guess i wasn't so much involved with with all of the behind the scenes aspects of all of it but just from seeing yeah like the level of stage quality and, and stage build and all the audio stuff. I mean, you're talking about, cause that was definitely the first time I, any of us had ever like had to use in-ear monitors and like had a full, like through front of how like sound check, <laughs> you know, or, or like amps like backstage and you know, you're tearing yeah. up like just all the little stuff that now having, you know, done it for longer and, I, we just expect cause that's, you know, pro and a lot of stuff or whatever, but yeah, you're really giving a lot of people their first taste of what it's actually the level that you need to get to to yeah. be able to do all that stuff. Mm. So, you know, small silver lining for Belmont.
1: <laughs> yeah. Pros and cons. I, I don't know how much, cre-
0: I don't know how much credit we should give them for that. I mean, they just basically let it happen. It's, it's run by, you know, students like, yeah. And, uh, Obviously, we got great feedback and all that stuff too from um, the panel of of judges um, on the afterwards. So that was that that was invaluable too. Like just having real industry A and R people come and listen to shows and oh, they have
1: people outside of Belmont for that. Mm-hmm. with
0: uh, the judges. Yeah, one of them was I think an Atlantic A and R rep and um, a couple other.
1: Ooh, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, a couple other, uh, <laughs> publishers and, uh, people like that in the, in the industry. Man, that's
1: wild. No. I guess, I guess the crew also gets like people from the industry. Cause, uh, we had, we had this guy named Andrew Dowling, who's like a systems engineer. He was like the guest person who was there to like help us and stuff. And he was like the, um, systems engineer for, um, Kanye West's uh, St. Pablo tour. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I asked him a lot of questions about that after the show, and I got the chance to talk to him. Was, I was that like the really tour curious. with the
0: flying uh, stage? Yep. Oh man, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Another another genius innovation by Kanye. Yeah, so cool, so cool. Well, yeah. So, um yeah, that, that, that takes you through it, I guess, for the our brother George.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've. I, I know you've talked about the name a lot and how you've gotten in. <laughs> that, that question probably comes naturally. Yeah. Um,
0: I talked about it in um, in the Instagram post too, um, but I, I always thought it was funny that so many people, and I, I guess I guess it makes sense that people focused on the name. Who's next, George? Yeah, who is George? And we always had fun being just pretending to be George in any situation or whatever. Like we never had a manager, but we would just reply to all the emails like, Sincerely, George or whatever. That's fun. That's Um, some
1: good branding, right? Right.
0: So, like, that was always cool. And I'm sure if we had ever put the money behind it, I would have made shirts that said exactly that: "Who's George?" Um, (laughs) um, But I was always more focused on the "our brother" part. I mean, I when I was at Tulane, and I wanted, I was looking for that type of community, and I wanted to find other people that had at least similar musical backgrounds to me, or could understand the style of music that I was trying to go for, um, and obviously not finding it. I was, that was, that was kind of my vision for what it would be. I was like, you know, it would be kind of a a brother or sisterhood, gender inclusive, uh, group and, you know, all kind of striving towards the same, uh, genre is not the right word, but at least like, um, the same style of musical expression, like, you know, when you, when you play with people for long enough and you can read their minds and just kind of know like, Oh, well like this is the type of thing that they're going to play and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's what I was really looking for. The name George is a, uh, is a tribute to my late grandfather who, uh, was, uh, he, he passed away when I was in, um, elementary school and, um, just, um, I don't, yeah, it was someone I, I always admired and 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 looked up to uh, in my life. Also, where I get my signature curly hair and thin physique uh-huh. from. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know why in 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 that moment. And I I you know I guess that was kind of the the two things. Something very very personal, you know. Uh, like from my family side and then the opposite, something that I wanted to be very, very collective and, you know, having a lot of different people come together and, and be able to make something together. Cause you know, it takes a village. You can't, can't just do it yourself. Yeah. yeah. I like that sense of community. Yeah. Thanks man. Um, so there's, yeah, there's your answer for yeah. <laughs> who George is.
1: Um, Hello. I want to circle back to new Orleans for yeah. a second. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious what the, um, In just, like, a general sense, the scene is, like, but also, like, the competition and, like, kind of, like, the shared purpose of a lot of people, if that makes sense. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I think about Nashville and, like, a lot of people, uh, you know, you have people who want to be, like, the next Taylor Swift, next, like, country legend. (laughs) Like, I I think about New Orleans and, like, really, like, I, I know it's jazz, but, like, I guess, like, another, like, just, like, part of the scene, like, my, like what i've seen so far is just like you know all these like really small like hole in the wall jazz clubs and like yeah. there's music everywhere and like you know wherever you go like almost 24 7 you can hear some like great like live music like do do people um are, are are the goals you know like up there with like uh record deal or like touring or like is, is it just kind of like a love for the music and you know like I think people it's just want to like play around in yeah New I think it's a
0: lot more the love for music I mean obviously the industry is here I, I, well I, that's not true there is you know there's obviously a music industry in, in New Orleans but I, I know what you mean though um the big machine is mm-hmm. is here in, in in Nashville and it's Nashville so much more of a beacon for like yeah. Hey, you want to be the next Taylor Swift? Well, like you gotta come to Nashville, and you gotta you know shop your songs around, do all that kind of stuff. Um, I I love New Orleans. I love my time there, um, and I I feel a little disgenuine genuine. Uh, you know, talking about a, a scene in a community that is even more than Nashville, very much populated with people who are from the area, and like grew up in New Orleans and grew up around this style of music that is entirely specific to that area of the country. Um, And obviously like the birthplace of a lot of most great American music. I mean, jazz, the greatest American art form maybe we've ever created is just from New Orleans. Like that's just where it was started. And um, that, that's a pretty heavy burden to carry. Uh, If you're from there, I can only imagine And then also to come into it as an outsider, I mean, I, that was like definitely one of the hats I tried putting on. You know, I took jazz piano lessons at Tulane from, um, not, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. It's unfortunate, but, um, yeah, it just, it definitely felt like you're not competing, but there are, there are people there who have been living it since they were born Like, like you start playing trumpet at the age of three, you know, and Mm -hmm. now you're 18 and yeah, you're, you know, you're an absolute killer and you're just, you know, one of the gnarliest cats ever, but it feels, it doesn't to be, to come into it from the outside, it doesn't feel like that it belongs to you. You know, like this is such a personal like genre and style of music to these people. I mean, sure. If I had grown up, loving jazz and playing jazz piano since I was very, very tiny, I would probably look at new Orleans the same way that I'd look at Nashville where like, it's a beacon to go to because that's where the best players are. You know, that's where all the best stuff in that style happens. And then being there, yeah. Trying to find my own sound. I was really trying to look for, maybe I didn't even know it at the time, but some sort of country roots ish music sort of scene. And that absolutely exists there. It's just a lot smaller. I bet. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's completely separate from uh, the, the jazz scene, which you're right is, like with Nashville, you know, like the tourists come to Nashville and they want to go on Broadway and they want to see a country band. Tours go to New Orleans and you want to go to Frenchman Street and you want to see great jazz music. And of course, you know, when that turns into something that has to be danceable, it gets into blues and funk and, you know, all that other stuff, which is still yeah. classic American music. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, it just felt like this is great and this is an amazing, very, very interesting, cool thing that's happening here. And it's just not my back, you know, like more props to them. Let's still love listening to jazz music. Still. I mean, New Orleans is one of the best places in the country to just go and visit and hang out and hear great live music,
1: mm-hmm. but Sip some daiquiris,
0: sip some daiquiris. Daiquir- yeah. Some hand grenades, um, some Sazeracs. One of the Sazerac was invented. um, couldn't even begin to tell you what's in that. I think rye. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's just a very I mean, there's no there's a great Tennessee Williams quote that there's only three cities in America. There's New York, New Orleans, and San Francisco. And everywhere else is just Cleveland. <laughs> um which is a pretty savage quote. But you're there and you yeah, you really kind of see that there's, there's just nowhere else. It's Caribbean and European and entirely American all at the same time. You know, it's, it's populated and founded by immigrants, which is maybe, you know, the most American thing ever. And you're, yeah, there's just nowhere else like it.
1: Wait, so you said New Orleans, San Francisco and New New York, I think. Yeah. I think that's the quote. Just for how old New York is, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everywhere else is just Cleveland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think San Francisco's more distinguishable than Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thinking about it, yeah, right,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't really speak on that either because I haven't spent any time in either of them. But I do have a good amount of friends who are from the Bay Area and from San Francisco, and yeah, you know, even just to represent them, I'm sure they'd back me up. It's uh it's san francisco over la yeah yeah
1: <laughs>
0: um definitely got away from whatever your original question was about new orleans but uh, um, you know
1: you definitely answered Definitely. It. Answered i mean it. I, w- cool. I was just Why like it? i was just curious about like what the scene and industry was like from like someone who's kind of been in it
0: yeah um can't speak on the industry as much i mean i know there's great bands that come out of southern louisiana for sure and um some great record labels there's a community records which um is like a kind of diy punk sort of label and so like there's that scene there too you know um but it's it's all just yeah it's all just a little smaller scale and um yeah for better or worse i uh decided to try for the bigger fish up here i guess
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, you gotta like, you can't like stick around with something if it's not your thing. Like, kind of like how you said you were trying to do more like the country, southern rock thing, but yeah. you're in like the pond of jazz. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's still
0: scary, you know, I don't know. When people ask for advice on like what they should do in music, I mean, uh, it's taken me a long time to know exactly what I want to do and like exactly what my voice and style is. But the journey to get here is what has made me the musician that I am today. So you can't really, you, you can't cheat it. Like you just have to have the time and put the put the work in, put the soul searching in. Um, try try stuff out. You know that if if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't work. You know it's not a failure. You just move on to the next thing. You know and yeah, and
1: trying. it's 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 never ending either. Like nope. you you never like really fully figure out who you are and like no. there's um I, I wonder if there's any such thing as full mastery. It's like it's an ever changing process. It's um you know, as I was saying earlier, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> it is a lifestyle,
0: yeah. Um no, I don't think so. I think you're always from from hanging out with people that are a little bit older than me and a little bit further down the line than I am they're obviously like they're still really chasing and looking for stuff and then even just interviews with some of the really old you know yeah like the grand masters and and all that kind of stuff you don't uh you don't stop you're always just trying you're always still playing for yourself i guess too you know you're always trying to like the the sisyphian ooh is that a word sisyphian as in like Sisyphus, right? You know, rolling the boulder up the hill and you never get there or you get there and it falls all the way back down and you got to go try again. You know that parable? It's, a, um, it's, a,
1: it's an old myth. I don't,
0: but also a I know what it looks like. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the moral of that or whatever is that Sisyphus is happy because, uh, you, you know, it's, you're still trying and you, uh, you, you're doing it for yourself. You know, um, like I was saying before, with like starting to play piano and not having to be told, oh, you know, hey, go practice. You need to go practice your scales or whatever. Like, I, I would just sit down and and start to play and figure stuff out for myself. The first things I ever learned. God, man, what is going on? <laughs> I'm having second puberty down it here. Stop. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the first things I, I guess I ever learned and all that were just picking up songs by ear. You know, like, oh man wouldn't it be really cool if I could play let it be? And then you just listen to it and, and slowly figure it out for yourself. And that sense of accomplishment feels a lot better than, um, I don't know, like just, uh, reading something and being like, Oh, like, okay, that's how you do it or whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's the self, uh, what's the word I'm looking for self. Yeah. Self-discovery, personal satisfaction, stuff like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely so much fun to be able to like, like the, the art that you love and you look up to, it's so much fun to like, you know, imitate that. And yeah.
0: when you never understand all of it either. Right. So you're always still, you'll, you'll all, there's always new music to be listened to. I mean, 30,000 hours get uploaded to Spotify every day. So, Oh my
1: gosh. Didn't um, I know that.
0: Yeah. You'll never, you'll never hear it all. You'll never hear everything. There's always something else, something cool to go listen to and discover. And then that also means that there's always something new to inspire you, something new to learn, something new to, to figure out. And someone is probably out there doing something that you would never think or expect to do right now. And then you can, you know, go and, uh, figure it out for yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've never, I've never set my foot down and said, Oh, this was the best era for music. Like,
0: no, it's impossible. Right, yeah, right to, now
1: is the best era for music. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, totally. I, that's actually probably the best argument. Is that because because right now we have access to all the other eras of music, it is the best right now. You know, if you were alive in the, you know, in the '60s, yeah, you had access to some of the great music that was going on in the '60s. You also didn't have access to a lot of it a lot of the great music that we know now was being made then, and you also had even less access to stuff that came like 30 or 20 years before, you know? It was just whatever you happened to catch on the radio, and that's why that was so important back then is you you would never know if you were ever going to hear that song again, you know? It wasn't like you could just Shazam it and be like, oh man, I really like that one, I'll listen to it again tomorrow on my, on my way to work. Like, nope. You hear somebody play a song on the Grand Ole Opry, you better hope that you either... They invite that person back on to play that song, or that that artist cuts that song as a single, and you're just lucky enough that your local record store stocks that single. That single, otherwise you're just sol, right? Like,
1: yeah, I haven't thought about it that way, but like you know, also like not not like listening to too much other stuff can be a good thing too. Like uh, Madlib, for example, like one of the best producers ever, sampling um,
0: genius. Oh know?
1: yeah. Like he's, he said before that he's like very like off the grid and like, doesn't really like listen to too much music. I don't know if it's like, just like who he is or if it's like for like an artistic purpose. I believe that.
0: But I also bet he's got an insane record collection, you know? Oh yeah. So that you just, that, yeah, that's a really interesting part of it too. So many of like the classic bands from the sixties and seventies, what most boomers would call like the golden (laughs) era of music, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, their taste like who they were influenced by was extremely specific. The rolling Stones started because Mick Jagger saw Keith Richards holding a howlin' wolf LP cover and was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know anybody else who listens to howlin' wolf. Do you like howlin' wolf? And Keith was like, yeah, (laughs) you want to start a band? And then they started the rolling stones, you know, like it just, uh, there was that specific of like, there's nobody, this is this one super specific thing that we both enjoy. Nobody else likes this, like w- clearly, okay, like we have to do our thing together and are going to be inspired by that nowadays. And this is, you know, the problem with genre now is like, oh, well, we're hyper pop fusion you know, jazz, whatever, like just, you know, yeah. you can throw, you can have a lot of very, very different influences. And then of course the music comes out sounding like nothing else, which is a good thing because it's pushing new boundaries and it's new things for people to listen to. But it's also just completely different and separated from the way it, it used to work back in.
1: I yeah. And I, I think it. like, and yeah, like each, each era has, pros and cons like and i I think like that's like the beauty of today just like how much different music there is and like all the possibilities and like especially like you know everyone like hates like electronic music and like really fabricated pop music but just like the amount of the doors that have been unlocked because of like the development of technology is like Mm -hmm. phenomenal but you know i'm on the other end i i will say like one, one thing I do miss about, like, music back in the day is, like, the true, like, musicianship and, like, you know, the very, like, hands-on, like, raw, like, musical skill. Like, I feel like there aren't as many people these days who can, like, really, like, yeah. rip it on the guitar or keys or drums.
0: Yeah, that's definitely... Uh, I, th- I think that comes from people wanting to take the the easy way, like why would I learn how to play drums when I can just program a real drum sample to play the beat that I imagined in my head but I could never actually play it, you know? Like that yeah. uh, never used to be a, a thing and not definitely not saying that all drum machines are bad or that like using a drum machine means that it's not real music because that's not true. There are extremely creative ways to use them and, you yeah. know, layer stuff and all that kind of things. But it is completely different from hiring a drummer to play a part, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I remember on that that Till uh, and Jacobson tour, I was, I was talking about um, the drummer was a good friend of mine Jack, and uh, the uh, the album that he produced had all these drum parts in it where that were programmed drums. They were li- you know they were live samples, but they were programmed parts, and he had like a couple like really just. Really interesting and, and strange pauses and hits and stuff in the music. And we go to play them live, and Jack, you know, plays a part or whatever. And Dylan's like, huh, you know, like that sounds different, like from the record. Like, can, can you play it like the record thing? And Jack had to try to explain to him that he would need five arms to play that, like the same drums that he put at the same time for that part or whatever. You know, it was something like hitting like the snare floor and kick and hi-hat at the same time or something like that, oh. you know, like, or, you know, um, which, yeah, like if you're just programming, you don't think like, oh, like you couldn't actually do that in real life, mm-hmm. but then you sit down and, um, and all that stuff. So I, yeah, that's a pretty good example of all that. Cause it's extremely creative and it's super cool to hear. You could never have done that back in the day with just a drummer, but the level of musicianship relying on real people who just shred is is kind of taken away
1: yeah. yeah and i mean like it's, it's 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 fun too like um you know you see the 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 decks over there um oh yeah it's like D- dj's fun and all but like it's it, it's still just and like yeah there's other elements like the whole production itself and the crowd and uh you know i, I like it it's fun but like Sometimes I get like kind of bored up there because, like, you have the song going and then you're just kind of dancing and stuff. And, like, I ultimately want to do more like hands on live shows, like, you know, with like an NPC or something, you know, yeah. like pushing a lot of buttons and like a lot of like faders going on, like, really totally. like doing something engaging, having fun while I'm up there.
0: Like. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I don't go to a lot of EDM uh, stuff or, or seek it out or anything, but some of the best shows that honestly I've just caught accidentally from, you know, either walking through a festival or something like that or whatever has been incorporating both of those, like somebody up there with a turntable, and then you have an electric guitarist and a saxophone player, you know? So like some people that can still get up there and do the, the part of a live show that let's be honest, like that's what most people remember or take photos of or whatever is yeah. like, Oh, I took this guitar solo like, right in my face or whatever. Or, you know, he had this one song with this crazy saxophone in it or whatever, but then you still have the production style and like the behind the
1: scenes stuff of all of yeah. the really
0: interesting EDM music or all that stuff. I, I, I always think that's a cool middle ground between all of that.
1: Yeah, like the the shows and the artists that I remember these days are like not not necessarily like which set was the most fun or like what was the best crowd. Like I'm I'm definitely like like I I go to shows like for like the music itself and like what would like you know like I remember is like people who really like developed their artistry and like aesthetic, whether it be like visuals, like the whole light show, and like you know, people who've like made a lot of songs and like play a lot of like their own original content. And I think like developing that artistry and developing that world is like definitely something that sticks.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And that's such a, yeah, that's such a great part about just being a music fan, right? Is seeing people in the, either in the early stages or in a transitional moment in their career or whatever. And then where they go from there, you know, you want to keep up with it and, uh, and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mhm. Well, well, um <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's it's, it's it's been a while and I've been I've been having to pee for like a good like 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes. So, Oh uh, man, sorry to keep you. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's 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 been good. I've I've enjoyed the fuck out of this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me good. too, man. But, uh, it's been
0: really interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um great stuff. I got some more like kind of rapid fire questions. That's kind of how I've been ending these podcasts, but uh um I, I I guess first thing, uh, talking about like the Southern Rock, Country, Americana scene, like in Nashville or just like overall, like if, if someone hasn't really like, you know, like really like dove into that, who 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 are like some good bands? Who's killing it right now? Whether it be like at the top or at like the local level, because like I don't oh headphones, because like <laughs> um hold up plug this back in. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, I've been kind of, um, I'm kind of out of touch with all that. lately. like I've just been kind of like listening to all like the electronic stuff just I appreciate cause like that's it. what I've been making. Well, I but, appreciate your yeah. curiosity then. Um, I'll, I'll throw out some
0: names kind of from all the different spectrums from on the local, local side of it. I mean, I'm, I'm biased cause they're my friends, but I genuinely loved this band before I met Um, any of them, any of the members. And, um, it's a local band made up of Nashville locals called Teddy and the rough riders. The name is very familiar. Yes. They, uh, they've been around for a little while and they've got some, uh, they've got one album out, a bunch of EPs, um, and some cool stuff. Um, more music on the way, hopefully. But, um, they're definitely like right down the country rock middle of the line, you know? Um, and that's something I really, really appreciate basically using old school Nashville country instruments to make badass rock and roll dance music, you know, super cool stuff. Um, so that's probably the country rock um, sign of all of it. Um, moving up a little bit in like the out and about in the world. One of my favorite bands that, um, is definitely categorized under the Americana umbrella is a band called Susto. Um, never heard of them. We were talking about music to listen to when you're stoned. Go check out the first, uh, Susto record. Um, very chill. They're out of Charleston, South Carolina, represent Mm -hmm. South Carolina. Um, yeah, love them. They, uh, I only say they moved up in a little while because they're on um, New West records now and they've gotten, like, if you, like we were saying with the evolution of an artist, if you go and listen to their first record and kind of make your way through their discography, I mean, it's just a level up in the production and the songwriting and all that every step of the way. This them right here? Yes, it is. Yeah, so very cool some to, stuff to cool them. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, like, the, the hard thing with Americana is that there's the whole there's a whole like roots side of it um you know um adia victoria is another like south carolina roots artist that's really really cool um i feel like everybody knows jason isbell at least in this town mm-hmm. um you know he's currently selling out 10 straight nights at the ryman so like, that's kind of the that's kind of the pinnacle of like what you would call that genre but uh, my favorite country artists nowadays are still people that like are not getting played on country radio. Like, you know, Sturgill Simpson and Tyler yeah. Childers.
1: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm picky with my country on them.
0: Yeah. I mean, so there's am a I.
1: sector of it that I really hate. Oh, like the no. whole, the whole bro country yeah, stuff. M- no, I'm <laughs> I'm right there with you, man.
0: And that's, it makes it hard to talk to people about it because there is really great stuff in it and really great stuff being happen happening. But you know, just how I, you know, I remember in high school, like maybe it was like, oh, what kind of music you listen to? Oh, I listen to everything except, uh, rap. I guess that's Southern private high school for you. But, um, yeah. now, nowadays it's, I listen to everything except country, mm-hmm. which like, you know, I could say the same right. It's, uh, I get it. I get it. You turn on the country radio and it's just bullshit pouring out of your speakers. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, not, uh, it's not a good time to try and make commercial country music. But on the other side of that, my favorite country music, whether I knew it or not, growing up has always been the stuff that's a little outside of the mainstream. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Willie Nelson built his whole career on giving Nashville, the middle finger, moving to Texas, growing <laughs> out his hair and smoking weed all the time. And he's, you know, one of the best-selling country artists of all time. Um, so
1: you know look for it, yeah, it it's, I like, it's out there i like when you keep it like a little bit old school and a little bit classy yeah um i okay. actually uh I, I worked at one of their shows at ascend and i'm like um I, I could see myself becoming a fan but uh brothers osborne brothers osborne is great i like yes. them a lot yeah they're
0: really really cool really great band um they they are kind of the opposite of what most stuff like I remember their like that first EP the first single they had that uh stay a little longer song or whatever I remember hearing that on the radio and that was that was the pop bro country of the moment and then as their career's gone on they have turned away from that instead of doing the Florida Georgia like diving into it mm-hmm. you know so the record before this one they just put out was like recorded down in Florida and had a lot of soul influence, a lot of great keyboard stuff on it. And then this last one is almost straight ahead rock. Like, you know, there's, there's some bangers on it. Um, yeah. Brothers Osborne is great. Also, you know, inclusivity, um, LGBTQ allies, uh, you know, uh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, Margot Price is probably my favorite female country singer right now. Um, and she, has always been out, outlaw against, you know, outside of the whole thing. Um, waiting on a bunch of that other stuff. Yeah. I, my advice, like, like you said, like, you know, the, the show, like go see a show. And that's a pretty easy way to tell whether or not, you know, it's actually good music or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but then also the old timers are doing a really good job of bringing out people that aren't, that are, that are actually doing it right. You know, I mean, Margo and Nathaniel Ratliff and, you know, people, Marcus, Marcus King, like he's out playing for Chris Stapleton right now, you know, like obviously Stapleton really bridged those two gaps. Like Mark, uh, Marcus King is insane. Probably, probably one of the greatest living guitar players. He is truly, truly special. Um, and carrying the Southern rock torch for sure. Um, but my point is like, yeah. Look at look at who those people are like bringing out with them on tour, and that's that's a pretty easy way to to find some new people. Uh, Nikki Lane is another one I'll shout out. I know the name. Yeah, Nikki Lane is is pretty dope. Saw her at a uh, basement east the the other day. Man, I could just name artists all day. You want to move <laughs> on to another question? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I guess.
1: Uh, um, you mentioned touring. Circling back to that, any any crazy wacky show stories from? <laughs> your time that come to mind
0: um i mean there's been some there's been some personally embarrassing ones for sure but those are all a little more backstage shenanigans um crazy show stories um
1: (laughs) whatever you see fit let it rip
0: all right yeah only because like my friend my buddy still give me shit for this one i uh we played a gig in Mobile, Alabama over the summer. And this is going to be a good story because it's a good like PSA warning to people. Um, we played uh, Mardi Gras in Mobile, which is, um, uh, you know, I mean, I've been to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I was like, oh, we're in Mobile. Like, oh, you know, it's going to be pretty chill. No, just as crazy, just as absolutely batshit bananas. Um, we played downtown in Mobile, like right after the parade, you know, so it was a huge, great crowd. Um, super fun. Um, who was that with? That was with, uh, Ben Gerald. We were opening up for, uh, Whitey Morgan. And, um, but the, the story really didn't start until after the show. So we play the show and do all that kind of stuff from, we're all backstage and everybody's, you know, like getting ready to go out. And by this point, you know, the crowd is when you play and you open and then you walk out into the crowd, maybe to catch some of the headliner, Um, you just, you know, people would just hand you drinks, like just free. Like, Hey man, come do a tequila shot. Was you were great or whatever? And so you're not, you're not losing any money and you're like, okay, sure. Well, you know, I'll do some tequila shots or whatever. Um, so that was already like where the night was heading. Um, we're backstage hanging out by the loading dock and, uh, our steel player is, uh, is drinking this giant mason jar of what looks like piss, and I'm like, that's really weird. What is? What? Are, what are y'all doing? What is that? And it's him and Ben and uh, tour manager, and he's like, oh, this is lemon moonshine, and like. Like real,
1: I was thinking it was some sort of like, moonshine like real concoction. moonshine. Yeah.
0: Like, you know, what are, um, what is, what is moonshine? 150 proof. Something. it's <laughs> crazy. That might not be right. Don't quote me on that. They, uh, but yeah, so they you know, and they pass it around. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'll try a little sip or whatever. And it's such a wide mouth Mason jar. And, you know, whatever I put on my lips and it all gets over my chin and, like, comes out of oh the sides no. of my mouth. And, yeah, so I'm kind of not wasting it, but I barely got a little bit. And St- uh, Steve is his name, he, you know. Oh, oh, man, you drink much? You never, uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you never had a sip of liquor before? Like, this little kid out here, oh, man, you ain't never had moonshine before? Oh, Look man. at this guy. So to prove him wrong... What did no, I do?
1: No. Yeah.
0: That's see, this is where the story oh, is a man. real PSA to people. Okay, moonshine will fuck you up. It will like ruin your entire night. So yeah, I took a pretty sizable gulp I had of to that. Show him you're not a little kid. I had to right? show him I wasn't a little bitch, you know, like huh and uh, yeah, so took a big ass gulp of that and went out to the, the bars on downtown mobile. And um, I mean, apparently I had an absolute hell of a time, but I, I lost my phone. I oh. fell down and woke up with a giant scrape under my eye. Damn! Um, one of the worst hangovers I'd ever had in my life the day after. I mean, it was just, it was a shit show start to finish mm-hmm. uh, after that. So yeah, I, t- I tell that story as like a, as like a tour warning you know oh, man don't oh. don't drink moonshine if you're gonna drink moonshine th- th- the most moderation you
1: possibly can yeah. my next question was gonna be number one piece of advice but i think you already answered it. that is. might
0: be it yeah you gotta you gotta control your liquor they they the the guys on that run were really good about uh because they had obviously been on the road a lot they even mm-hmm. toured just kind of acoustic stuff during the pandemic and um yeah they uh as far as yeah, like keeping your wits and keeping a level head about you, you know, they don't drink it's not it's not bottles of Jack Daniels in the in the dressing room. It's uh, tequila soda or tequila mm-hmm. or vodka water or something like that. Cause you gotta stay hydrated. You yeah. know, you have to I mean you'll just that's the easiest way to start having a bad time is get get dehydrated. So uh yeah, you know, drink water, um, bring extra socks. Um, and you know, always. Uh, so much of it is is just being able to like be a good hang. That's true in a lot of the music industry mm-hmm. and with bands and a lot of that stuff. I mean, you know, you can be an absolute killer, but if you're an asshole, like you're not gonna get a job. People don't. You know, it's like with anything else. There's especially in this town, you're flush with people who can play music and play it well. That if you're walking around thinking you're entitled or just being a dick to people you know, you're not, you're going to lose jobs and lose money and you're going to end up unintentionally tanking your own career, I guess. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the industry and I guess just like, well, I don't know if I'd say society as a whole, but it's cool to see the industry moving towards that. Like the assholes are like dwindling out.
0: Totally. I mean, though, yeah, there's no way to fully get rid of them. And, um, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen a lot more of, um, Was at a show, like a country show, a couple of weeks ago, and um, there was this guy who wasn't even that drunk, but just going up to all the girls and like trying, trying to dance with all of them, like just you know, it, uh. yeah, and you know, somebody would be like, "Oh no, like I don't really want to dance," and he would you know be badgering them, be like, "Oh come on, I'm a really good dancer," and all this, it was just like getting in girls' faces, and. Yeah, like three dudes stood up and were just like, all right, dude, like, no, you're out of here. You're banned. Like, you're not coming back. You're creeping everybody out. And uh, yeah, they just assholes ruin it for everyone. It's, it's not really it's no fun.
1: hmm Any... Good. Wait, what? No, 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 go ahead. I was, <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, any other um, pieces of advice? Yeah. Just, like, centerpiece of what you've learned, what you'd say to, like the next generation who's trying to do the thing as well Mm,
0: yeah i mean don't be an assholes up there um stick with it even when it seems really hard don't be afraid to fail um don't don't uh fall into the sunk cost fallacy which is where you think oh well i've already put a year into recording this album, so like, oh, like, oh, okay, I like, I have to see it. I have to keep doing this thing, even though I'm really unhappy with it. Like, no, if you're not happy with something, you know, it's it's better for you to to move on and and try. I mean, with my own stuff, like, I mean, I'm, I'm literally trying to do things I already did, um, better and differently because now I have more benefit of experience and all that, but Mm -hmm. you won't have that experience unless you move on in the first place and keep, you know, moving forward and trying to do new things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, practice for yourself, you know, um, you'll thank yourself later and, um, at the end of the day, if it's what you love to do, then yeah, uh, don't give it up. You know, don't let people get you down. And, um, again, don't be an asshole. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Well said. All right. Well,
1: uh, listen, this was a really good chat and I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Thank you so much, Braylon. Yeah, man, yeah, it was I, good. I had a
0: blast. This was a great, great little talk can't wait for this to come out i hope everybody enjoyed it
1: Um, yeah i'm shooting for um well i've I've gotten like a good amount of episodes that'll be able to like roll it out or have like plenty of content to roll out but thinking like like, keep your ears and eyes peeled or like mid-november just because i'm like busy between like this like job training and then visiting some family but yeah yeah, yeah, cool man it'll get out there soon But, um, real, real real quick, just like the last like couple of minutes, uh, just like tell the people what you've got going on, what's coming up, where can they find you? I know that like, dude, uh, Jackson, Brook and, them, do do, do y'all have like some benefit show coming up?
0: Yeah. Uh, we're playing a benefit show on, well, I don't know if this will be out by then it's November 13th. Um, and more information about that can be found at the band's Instagram page, uh, at Dukes of Hume. That's H U M E. Uh, you can follow me at Hank long songs and you can catch me around town playing with all manner of people. Um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, the best way to know is to, is to follow me on there. I, uh, between what we're playing for, uh, my solo record should be out early next year. We're Currently wrapping Hell up, yeah. working on, working on that. So keep your eyes peeled, and um, yeah, you know, hope to see hope to see us some y'all at a, at a show soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Right on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks again. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolute thrill, Braylon. Thank you, man. Absolutely.